Welcome back to the Spring to Life podcast. I am Caitlin, your host and holistic hormone health coach, fertility awareness educator, and Pilates instructor. I am very excited this week because I am joined by a special guest, Skylar Sustin, who is an emotional and trauma release coach. And this is going to be a great conversation because I think that this is an often overlooked piece of the healing process, especially when you're dealing with chronic illness and hormonal imbalances. So this is going to be a juicy conversation. I got some uh, audience questions as well. So we're just going to jump into it first by learning a little bit more about you, Skylar. Um, Tell us about you and your background. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to have this conversation. And um, yeah, so I kind of got exposed to this area of like emotional healing and trauma back in 2020 when COVID started because that was when I started my own healing journey. I had to move back home in with my parents, my family from um, because of, you know, the time and having to quarantine and everything. And I just felt really stuck. And that feeling of being stuck and ignoring the emotions I was feeling around being home and having to face a lot of things I wasn't really looking at beforehand brought me to this point of, okay, I I can't really keep going on with the emotional state that I was in and I'm not really sure how to change it myself. So I started working with an emotion code practitioner who helped a lot with, you know, emotion releasing and understanding my emotions, as well as how a lot of the maybe emotional traumas I had dealt with in the past were a lot connected to the things I was experiencing at the present moment. And all of that really combined to then bring me to where I am now and being very passionate about the emotional side of things and how much of a difference it makes in our lives when we actually, you know, look at them and process them um, because it's what definitely helped me wake up (laughs) and changed my life with that. Awesome. Well, that brings up actually a couple of different questions. My mind Mm -hmm. is going in a few different directions, but the first thing I want to ask you is when you moved back in with your family and you were starting to feel these things bubbling up, Did you know right away to find an emotional, as you say, emotional code practitioner? Did you go Mm -hmm. directly to that type of therapy or did you go down other avenues first? So my first instinct was to push it down. (laughs) I definitely didn't. I, I didn't come home and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not feeling good. I probably need to talk to someone. My first instinct was like fake positivity, push it down, distract myself, and we'll just try to go with it. Um, at that point in time, the emotion code practitioner was the first type of outside support that I ever tried to receive. Um, within the next year, what ended up happening was then my parents ended up divorcing and there was a lot of turmoil and struggle with that because at the time I was living at home um, Mm -hmm. because of COVID. And so I was really in the middle of experiencing all of that. And so because of that, I also tried working with different therapists and a a life coach, like I just think it was like a trauma life coach. And 
honestly, none of it really did much for me except for working with the person who specialized with emotion releasing. Um, Because everything else just felt like I was kind of going in circles, saying the same thing over and over that I already knew. Um, And it was more like needing that releasing and that like understanding of how do I go forward from here rather than Mm -hmm. just kind of working through things like through talking. Mm -hmm. And was that a facilitator that you were aware of or did somebody recommend that modality to you? I'm just curious how you got exposed to it. Yeah. So it was actually a friend of my mom's who, yeah. So she knew it because I got exposed to it because my mom knew because obviously I was living there and she was kind of like, I'm, I don't, I might've brought something up to her about how I was feeling, but chances are she might've said something to me first. And, um, she offered like, Hey, that my friend does this. Like, do you just want to check it out? Maybe just have a conversation and see what happens from there. And that's kind of how I got introduced to it. Mm -hmm. I'm curious also, like, were you surprised by how much was like bubbling to the surface and, um, what was that process kind of like for you? Cause I think around that time for a lot of people, there was a lot Mm of, um, just like realizations happening myself also around that time, I was kind of beginning uh, parts of my healing journey as well. And I was actually, you're in San Diego, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was living in San Diego at the time. And I went in for like a consultation at Saffron and Sage, if you're Mm -hmm. familiar. And I didn't really know what to expect. I wasn't even, I was just curious. I wasn't even sure what I was going into. And I just remember sitting in this room bawling my eyes out to a stranger that I didn't know and like feeling embarrassed that I needed all of these Kleenex. But it was so clear that like all of these emotions were coming up and all of these feelings that like you said, you just kind of like bottled up and pressed down. So it really seems like it was just a a time of uh, things just couldn't be pushed down anymore. Yeah, it I mean, I've had I mean, for people I've told my story to like, a lot of times this is always like, this is a big origin piece of the healing journey. And everyone's always like, oh yeah, like me too. That was, I also had stuff during that time. But to your question also is, yeah, I think I was surprised um, to an extent. What I was most, so I had always kind of grown up in an environment that was a little bit probably more emotional, emotionally aware than maybe other homes were. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the sense that like emotions were a conversation. It wasn't something that was generally ignored. But I think the thing that surprised me most was not the fact that like I had all these emotions and whatnot, but the fact that there were things I think from maybe childhood or before that, that I didn't realize had impacted me as much as I thought. And that I think what really surprised me was how much those past experiences really created the foundation for the my behaviors the way that I was responding to things um and that I didn't really know were not necessarily that that could be evolved into something different than what I was doing because maybe they weren't the most healthy or they were based off of pains from the past and that was definitely something I didn't really understand or even have any exposure to beforehand which I think was the most surprising to me Yeah, I can totally relate. And I'm curious now if working with an emotional code coach during that time helped you 
navigate because not only are you experiencing all of these emotions, but my personal experience with it was like first recognizing that all these things were coming up and then almost like feelings of resentment at my, Mm. myself and at others for like the way things had happened or that I hadn't realized that I could change sooner. Um, so was having that coach with you, was that helpful in moving yourself forward from that point of realization? So yes and no, which is an interesting answer because I think what it helped me most with was really understanding the emotions and kind of what I mentioned. The one thing that, and, and the releasing, like understanding how to actually process my emotions in that way. But the one thing that I do think was something I wish it had more of was that like maybe coaching aspect, the implementation. Mm -hmm. Like now that I have this information, I feel like a lot of the time I was like, what do I do now? Like, how do I move out of this? Like, okay, I I see how defensive I always am. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I now change that? And Mm -hmm. for most of the time, I think it was like with the releasing and kind of clearing everything out, it made the space for me to realize these things to kind of have that develop on my own. But I think having that extra support would have been something that made the difference in maybe doing these things quicker or actually knowing how to do it, which is a big part of why like in emotion and trauma release coaching that I do today, like I really focus on trying to combine like that aspect of the release and the coaching integration Mm -hmm. because I think there are so many things that you are doing like one or the other in, but doing them together is what in my experience has been the most powerful because it it can be really confusing when you first start Mm -hmm. um, and any type of like releasing work. So um, that is definitely something I wish I had a little bit more of at the time that now I try to provide in the work that I do. Yeah. It sounds like you have a really unique like corner on this type of coaching. And I'm curious what parts boundaries play Mm -hmm. in that process with uh, the work you do with your clients. Yeah, like, are you like in meaning like the boundaries that I set with my clients? Is that that I mean, you could address that too. Um, I was thinking more in terms of someone having emotions or things that are coming up from the past. I think a lot of times people that don't have strong boundaries around Mm. their own person end up having uh, and I, you know, this is obviously not a blanket statement. Maybe I'm speaking a little bit from personal experience as well. But I think sometimes once you are able to let go of those things and move past them, you have to then be able to put boundaries in place in order to protect yourself in a healthy way moving forward. So is that kind of a part of some of the work that you do? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's it, at least not, that's not a blanket statement to me because I a hundred percent resonate with it too. Like, I think um, one of my biggest struggles was, cause I was always like a people pleaser too. Mm-hmm. And so the big thing that I learned in that work was now that I'm kind of realizing what my emotions feel like compared to other people's emotions, how do I then begin to set those boundaries? And that's definitely a big thing that I work on with clients, especially because one of the things that we work on is like releasing inherited emotions or absorbed emotions. And in that, especially for people who might be people pleasers or have a hard time with those boundaries or empaths, 
and releasing those compared to releasing ones that you create yourself, it really helps set the feeling of what the difference is between them. Um, because when we release like these inherited absorbed emotions, they truly feel different than if they're something that's yours. Like maybe the emotion is strong, but in that you're like, this isn't mine and I can feel it now. And so that's a really big piece of like beginning to set those boundaries because they're starting to see what's not theirs. And so when we go into that like real world scenario boundary setting, it's easier to notice, okay, this is something that doesn't feel right. And let's set that boundary. Um, and so you were also working on like, how do I stay within my emotions to notice where I'm at and then communicate that with others in a mindful way? Mm-hmm. That's, so well said. And that actually got me thinking a little bit too, about perhaps maybe the types of clients that you work with. Do you find, um, that the people that have trouble setting boundaries are often more empathic than maybe the average person? Because I think that was something that I, um, kind of realized too, because you, especially when you're a people pleaser, you tend to take things Mm -hmm. really personally. And then maybe sometimes you judge the actions or reactions of other people based on how you would have thought that you would have reacted. And then once you kind of get past that and have a more candid conversation with somebody, you realize that they're not being malicious in any way. It just doesn't occur to them (laughs) to react on that deep of a level to certain things. So it's kind of finding your own place, I guess, in in the kind of order of things and how much of your own emotion you need to give to a certain situation. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. I think like a big part of it really goes down to like self-awareness, like even Mm -hmm. definitely I think like empaths and people pleasers are the majority of people who like will struggle with this element of boundaries and knowing what emotions are theirs and not theirs. And to be honest, what made the biggest difference for me was I think realizing why I was doing that also, Mm -hmm. like, why is it that you feel like you need to people please? Why do you feel like you can't have these like strong boundaries, whatever they are? Why do you feel like the people who might respond differently is not okay? Like, why are those expectations there for you? Mm -hmm. And when you get a little bit more understanding of that on your own level, um, then it's like, well, okay, like, okay, I guess I was a people pleaser because that's how I – I had attention. That's that's how I was validated. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how I felt needed. And then it's how can I then give that to myself so the emotions aren't like being pulled from these outside Mm -hmm. sources. Yeah. And it's really draining to constantly be seeking that external approval because most of the time you end up as a people pleaser, you end up spreading yourself really thin and then feeling resentful that you don't really have anything left in the tank for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, t- a tiring, a tiring <laughs> mask that that we put on. <laughs> definitely, yeah, that's really a good way to say it. Use me, but I have to tell you about the number one mineral that has helped me maintain a baseline of hormone and overall health. It is the fourth most abundant mineral in our anatomy, and it supports over three hundred essential functions throughout the human body. Yet. 
as many as 75% of Americans are deficient in this critical mineral. No matter what stage of life you are in, from puberty to menopause, your well-being will benefit from magnesium. Things like monoculture, mass agriculture, and overprocessing within our food supply chain have resulted in a lack of magnesium in our daily nutritional intake. Magnesium deficiency can lead to issues that create more issues, including mood disorders, sleep problems, muscle cramps, inability to absorb essential vitamins and nutrients like vitamin D, and PMS symptoms. I have a whole podcast episode on this, so go check out episode number 13 if you want to learn how crucial magnesium is for hormone health and why Ned's Mellow Magnesium is superior. This magnesium is so great and it's so easy to incorporate into your daily routine. I hope that you are drinking a glass of water in the morning. You just have to add a scoop of the Mellow Powder and your body will absorb the three high quality types of magnesium plus L-theanine and GABA throughout the day. I swear you will notice an improvement in how your body handles stress. Ned also makes other great products like their CBD balance blend. This supports healthy hormones at every stage of life. And it has been a part of my daily routine since I began my natural cycles journey almost five years ago. Another great product they have is their immunity hero. I have been loving this this winter season. It's packed with botanicals to keep you healthy when cold and flu season is upon us. All you have to do is use my code spring to life to save 15, 15% off every order. Now back to the podcast. So since going through this process and really diving into this work, what are some of the positive influences you've observed in your life and maybe also for your clients as well? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing has definitely been, I feel like emotional awareness or maybe even more like the aspect of like emotional compassion towards myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I've definitely been someone with really high like expectations for myself. And um, even like I, I remember like I would I think a big place that I started off was like expecting emotional perfection, which is a big reason like for me I why like vulnerability was hard and um, why I would get defensive a lot um, because I felt like if I wasn't like perfect in my emotions or that people please side, if they weren't the emotions other people wanted from me that it wouldn't be good enough and all of these. So I think that shift I definitely don't feel like I need to be perfect in my emotions anymore. And the fact that realizing just letting them be as they are and learning about how much they they have a positive impact in terms of the knowledge and awareness that they bring our emotions. And I think for clients, it's it's very similar, like realizing a lot about yourself in terms of I, the biggest light bulb moments and clarity moments that I have had as well as clients have had is when like a trauma or emotion comes up that we're pinpointing from the past and it's an exact link or even mirror to your biggest struggle that you're experiencing today. And so realizing that connection is like the aha moment of I'm not, this is happening because of something and I have control over now how I can shift that going forward, I think is the biggest like 
taking your power back and control back because you're realizing that one, the things in the past you thought were hurting you and and painful can actually be used to help create a better life for you now if you see those things. 100% agree with you. I think that that's just such an, a powerful statement that you have control and like flipping that switch in your brain is Uh, I think the biggest step forward you can take in any type of healing of like stepping Mm -hmm. out of a victim mindset, whether it's emotional or physical, um, and really putting yourself in the driver's seat and making decisions because you always have a choice of what you can do next. Yeah, I think it's like... At some point in in the work, whether and sometimes it it usually takes some time for this like shift to happen, right? Because we don't go from oh my gosh, I'm I'm feeling so drowned down by this trauma to I'm a butterfly, nothing affects me like in a second. If anyone gets to that place, but um, it's definitely like those those moments of realizing that the things that you thought hurt you can uplift you is um and if when you start to like get curious like and we we try so hard to hide and to push away our pains and our traumas and the moment we start to get curious about them because a lot of the times especially in like sessions with emotion trauma release coaching it's like it's a lot about like putting a puzzle like a puzzle together or like solving a mystery because there are like it's like, oh my gosh, that's why that's happening. Oh my gosh, that's why I feel that way. That's why I'm like that. Mm-hmm. And so that curiosity also, I think, starts to probe a different way of experiencing healing and looking at that, um, which also over time like eases that fear around turning towards it. Yeah. And also like bringing curiosity into it. I feel like it kind of lightens the mood a little bit, mm-hmm. so to speak, because some of this stuff can feel like shameful or embarrassing or heavy or like you just want to like like you said like shove it down or like put it where you can't see it Mm -hmm. um and it just feels like such this heavy weight to bear until you look at it with like a different set of lenses on and you're like okay it doesn't have to be like this big scary monster it can be something that I can learn from and process and like use in the future to my advantage hopefully yeah and one thing like to add to that too is I know it can be really it can be really hard to start looking at it that way, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've noticed helps a lot um that I think would be helpful to share is like if you're listening to this and you're like I've tried, I have absolutely no idea how to start getting curious, how to like look at it in a way where I'm not afraid. One thing that kind of works is actually like working backwards in the releasing process where you actually release first. So that's like if you have a specific like emotion or trauma that you know you're working with, and sometimes it's easier when you're working with someone to guide you in this, but the releasing of the energy of the trauma or the emotion that you're struggling to see differently can actually help to make space for you to see things differently when you're working with it. Because mm-hmm. when you have like these trapped emotions and traumas within, we are only able to see them as we were 
at the age, whatever that trauma or emotion got trapped at. And so because of that, that's what can make it really hard to get curious, to see things differently, to feel safe turning towards it. And so releasing the energy of what's been trapped in your body gives you the moment to one, have a little bit of space to bring more things in, like whatever is safety, trust, the things you're wanting to uh, shift into, Mm -hmm. as well as then since that emotional charge is like decreased a little bit, you can now see it from the perspective of who you are today, which will help actually make you feel safer turning towards it and make the process of working through it and understanding it less daunting because the emotional charge isn't as strong. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice and also probably a little peek into what it's like to work with you as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely a big piece of how it works. (laughs) I love that. Well, so for people that are listening to this and are maybe like getting a little curious or maybe kind of at the beginning stages of this type of process, what are some physical signs or Mm. symptoms that people might be experiencing that are a a signal that maybe this type of work could be helpful and productive. Yeah. So the biggest, I think like taking this from mainly, these are kind of things that are showing you have like these trapped emotions and traumas within you that need to be released is um, a lot of times if we experience like some type of chronic pain or um, that's on like a pattern so if like sciatica is a big one um, I've had a couple clients who have had sciatica that's connected to emotions Mm. um, and traumas Um, but chronic pain like for example like if you have like lower back pain and maybe you feel it all of the time or maybe it comes up at the most random times that seem really random but they might be emotional triggers that are actually making your back go into that spasming. So those are definitely ones that are actual physical sensations. Um, More like things that you can spot like behaviorally, if you have like uh, struggles with vulnerability, um, if you keep attracting the same type of relationship over and over again, or you find yourself experiencing the same traumas over and over again, um, definitely like coping mechanisms that try to numb out things, um, whether that's like drugs or alcohol, or even just feeling totally numb is a big one too. Like when we have Mm. so many trapped emotions, sometimes we're just so overwhelmed, like our body's so overwhelmed that our mind just goes numb with them Mm -hmm. um, to protect ourselves. And so those are big ones. Um, Um. trying to think those are probably the most oh also self-sabotage is a big one so if you self-sabotage in any way um or if you are experiencing like blocks in the way of what you're wanting like if you are not able to move up to that next level of what you're wanting to achieve um or you feel blocked in some type of your life stuck in some area like those are a lot of big signs too So a lot of, a lot of things like just kind of feeling stagnant, I think of just like not being able to move forward, um, Mm -hmm. in any kind of facet of your life. Yeah. Cause it could be like your career could be doing great, but maybe your love life, love life has been stuck at the same place for years or vice versa. Or, I mean, it could be like your entire life. You just feel stuck in and nothing's moving forward or going right. There's a lot of different ways that those like trapped emotions and traumas can manifest, um, 
out in real life? So for somebody that is maybe listening to this and being like, hmm, this is something I want to learn more about, or I want to maybe dip my toes into, um, what is a good, do you have any tips for them? Like, what's a good starting point? What, where the, can they begin? Yeah, I think that the best place to begin, um, there are, I mean, there are a few resources that I have, but I think just generally like journaling is a great place to begin um, mm-hmm. in terms of getting used to turning towards some things without um, maybe as much guidance if you're not looking for one-on-one like support right now. And that can be like one thing that I think is really helpful just to begin exploring is like every morning um, grabbing your journal and committing to doing writing like just two to three pages of whatever comes up where you're just like flow writing, just like kind of getting everything down on the page. And not only does that start to get you kind of used to one connecting with your subconscious because journaling is very subconscious work when you allow it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also start to connect with yourself a little bit more. Um, even if there is resistance or discomfort, like you're getting yourself a little bit more used to that. Um, and then over time you can start to notice patterns or things that are coming up and then pinpoint those areas whether it be like listening to podcast episodes reading some looking something up um but there are a lot of like simple ways that you can start i think that's a good one especially if you're not sure how to start turning towards some of the things that you're experiencing those are great tips um i love the journaling one and i'm curious too because you mentioned that it can be really great subconscious work if you allow it to be Do you have any prompts or methods if, for instance, somebody comes to the page and they just feel like their mind is blank or maybe it's like ends up being just kind of like surface level um, journaling, what can they do to maybe like tap a little deeper? Yeah. So a couple of things. The first one that comes to mind is if you're someone who um breathing like breath work kind of thing works well for you any type of grounding really so I always use breathing so if I'm feeling really in my head or emotionally overwhelmed um doing some type of breathing work where your exhale is longer than your inhale is really helpful to ground yourself you can also like um just like focus on feeling something so like bringing something in your hand and just like feeling um the sensation of it using your five senses to kind of ground in another great grounding is like noticing all the things around you like really paying attention to the details of things um another one is like scribbling like scribbling or drawing um kind of getting your mind away from the idea that you're trying to write Mm -hmm. but still allowing your pen to paper and then things will kind of start coming up because you're you're still doing that movement um but not so focused on like what am I feeling? What am I doing? Like the, the things will just start flowing because it knows that's kind of the process you're moving into. Those are great tips and perhaps maybe are going to apply to this next question. Um, do you have any tips for coming back into your body and your thoughts when you're dealing with dissociation? Yeah. So definitely any type of grounding is really helpful. Um, also things that connect you with the body. So those can go hand in hand. So movement, breathing, um, things where you're using your five senses, like I mentioned earlier. Um, 
the movement is really helpful. Like any type of state change is what you're really looking for. Mm -hmm. I've heard like some people like put an ice cube in their hand and because like your thoughts are really in your mind, disassociating is in the mind. So if you can get connecting back to your physical body, it allows that small moment to de to, to detach from whatever it is you're kind of cycling in mm-hmm. or disassociating from to be able to come back to that present moment. That's really interesting. And just as you were saying that, I was like, this is why ice baths work for like improving mm-hmm. our mental health because it's such a shock to your system. You have to like tune into what's going on. Yeah, it's huge. Like even like jumping up and down or um, like if you have like a rubber band on your wrist, like smacking it against your wrist a few times. Um, There are a lot of different things you can do. Another helpful one that doesn't have that, but kind of starts to help build the habit of noticing and breaking that change over time is um, I always love to do these. They're mindful um, daily reminders like on your phone. So you can just put like a daily reminder on your phone for whatever time. Maybe it's a time where you disassociate or get stuck in thoughts more often. And you just put on your phone um, pause or breathe or something to help change the state so that if you're in that, you look at your phone, you're like, oh, okay. Like that's also a different type of state change that if you pay attention to it and you follow whatever the prompt is over time, Mm -hmm. it starts to build that habit that if you're in it, you can actually start to move out of it a little bit quicker. Yes. I love that. I, this conversation has been so great. And as you were saying (laughs) that, I'm like, okay, what thoughts do you have? I'm sure. Um, would you say that like that kind of like mindless scrolling is a form of dissociation Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are definitely different uses for the mindless scrolling. I find myself doing it when I'm like procrastinating or like getting sidetracked. Mm -hmm. But um, I, it's definitely a version of disassociation, trying to like numb yourself out from whatever you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, especially if you're just like, hours and hours like it's funny you said that because definitely when I was talking about the reminder I I pictured like mindless scrolling and then like the (laughs) reminder coming up on the phone (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I definitely now too I think for me it's that procrastination I'm like I need to move on to the next task but the two minutes turns into five minutes turns into 20 when you have like these short little videos that you can just like quickly watch um So I think those are all really great tips. Um, This is, like I said, this has been a great conversation. Um, So how can people work with you? Do you work with men and women or are you one demographic? I work, I'm pretty general with both. I would say that I definitely have more women clients, but I'm open to doing both. Awesome. And Mm -hmm. so do you work with people virtually, mostly in person, yeah, it's all all one-on-one sessions are virtual. Okay, awesome. So we will link all of your uh, your website, your booking link, all of your resources in the show notes. Um, I would love before we wrap up to maybe just hear some of your non-negotiable like wellness practices mm. throughout the day. Yeah, um, definitely my like 30 to 45 minutes after I wake up of like, lemon water and um 
doing whatever I feel like in the moment. So it's like stretching, reading, journaling, um, meditating that whole, I feel like the definitely it's more of like that time frame of like having that moment of like wellness things. Let me ease into my day. That's definitely non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, also yoga. I, I have to go at least a couple times a week and I, that's just a really helpful type of exercise. Like that combines like all the things I feel like I usually need in those moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I feel like those are the majority like daily type things that I do more so than anything else. I like that. And I liked how you said in your morning routine that you just kind of do whatever you feel like doing in the moment, because I yeah. think people maybe even shy away from setting that type of morning routine for themselves because they think they have to like pack in Mm -hmm. all of these things or spend a dedicated amount of time on it. But it's really like pick a couple things that make you feel good and like then, you know, move on with your day and don't put so much pressure on it. Yeah. Like, like the past couple mornings, my, like, I'm like, okay, grab my lemon water and my body has been really needing to like stretch like to ease into my day and um, like getting my body kind of warmed up for it. And I'm like laying down to read does not feel like the right thing because my body just it was laying down for however, for whatever hours beforehand. And But it always changes. And I really like to make sure that it's, you know, that like quiet morning where it's I'm really just listening to what I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peaceful solitude. Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Skylar. I know that this is going to be such an informative episode for the audience and um, they'll be happy to have their questions answered as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to releasing this into the everywhere, the internet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for having me. It, I always love having these conversations and hopefully it was helpful and there's some value that some people were able to take away um, to a topic that can seem daunting, hopefully making it a little bit less. Yeah, definitely a thought provoking conversation, which I love. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for tuning into the Spring to Life podcast. Make sure you check out the show notes for the resources and links mentioned in this episode. And if you learned something new or if you resonated with this conversation, please share. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe to my channel. If you're listening on a podcast platform, please follow the show and leave a rating and review. That's how this community thrives and grows. Tag me in your Instagram stories at Spring to Life Method. Leave a five-star review or simply share it with a girlfriend and I will talk to you next week.